Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Uh, we've got another interview today with uh, a band from uh, the uh, Chapel Hill, uh, North Carolina area. That's where they met. Uh, the band is called Happy Abandon. And uh, very cool orchestral uh, 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 rock pop group. A very, uh, very interesting sound. Very unique. And great songs. And a bunch of great guys. We're looking forward to talking to them. Uh, you are listening to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Uh, every Tuesday and every Thursday, we release a new interview. Every Saturday, there is a new music podcast out there. That is LudiniRockandRollCircus.com for all your Ludini needs. Uh, I'd like to take a second and thank my sponsor, Positively Pittsburgh Live Magazine, PPLMag.com. Pittsburgh's first internet radio, TV network, and online community business directory. Uh, you can uh, get uh, all kind of great information there. There's audio and video and articles and coupons. Uh, find businesses. If you have uh, uh, some, something you, uh, that you'd like to put out to the world, something you'd like to you know, share with the world, it's a great place to start your own magazine page and upload your own audio and video, your podcast, whatever that's we've been doing here at the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. So you definitely want to check it out. That is Positively Pittsburgh Live Magazine, ptlmag.com. And as I was telling you guys at the beginning there, we have this really uh, cool uh, bunch of guys on the line with us today. Happy Abandoned is an orchestral rock quartet from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, consisting of Peter Vance, Jake Watts, Alex Thompson, and Justin Ellis. And all, uh, although the four members met as students at the uh, University of North Carolina in 2010, Happy Abandoned didn't really form until early 2015 after the members... Uh, Separate bands and musical projects ran their course, so this allowed the four friends to develop their own goals, talents, experiences, learn from them individually, and pull them into a new collective identity. All right. Okay, so here we are. We're ready to go. We've got Peter on the line. We've got uh, uh, Justin and Jake. We've got the three, we've got three uh, out of the four. Guys, welcome. How are you today? Doing Good. Great. Thanks Thank for, for having us. us. Ah, see, see there? They're so good to even answer in unison. That's how tight they are. <laughs> they really got their stuff together. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and uh, oh, where, where to start with, with three of you guys. Okay, let's do this. Uh, how did you guys, so you met, it, you guys knew each other at, uh, at the University of uh, North Carolina, um, but how did you decide that, like, you guys wanted to start working together and uh, what made you, so, how did this orchestral rock uh, sound sort of develop? Um, anybody can jump in, just say your name first. This is uh, Peter, and um, I guess uh, Jake and I had been playing in a band previous to this. He was doing drums, I was playing bass, and it wasn't necessarily a, uh, a band where I felt like I could do a lot of my own creative exploration um, and so I was working on music on my own, doing songwriting, which is something that I, I absolutely love to do, obviously. And uh, Jake was attracted to it, and so we started jamming together, the two of us. Um, and even though we both did go to UNC and we both kind of knew who each other were, it wasn't until we started actually playing together in this first band that we really started to uh, realize that we clicked really, really nicely and so um, after we started working together, Alex Thompson, who isn't unfortunately here right now and can't jump in and tell me if I'm right or wrong, really <laughs> loved the music. That's what he gets um, for missing meetings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Alex loves but, indie rock. 
Yes, it's his favorite <laughs> genre. Um, and he he just I think he just uh, saw a lot of potential in it at first. And he and Jake are super super close. And he and I have known each other for a while. Then eventually Justin was like the last missing piece to the puzzle. And um, and after we got all of our forces combined, we've done the two tours and we've put out the EP and the single and everything. So that's kind nice. of the origin. Yeah. That, that, that's the best word. That's right. Hey, uh, Jake, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your experience with this group as a drummer and uh, sort of what you feel your kind of role is uh, in this sort of uh, – this, this with, with a band that plays this kind of music? Um, <clears throat> well, when it first started, um, it was very, it was very freeform. Peter, uh, he had some, some verses and some lyrics and, and these really amazing acoustic guitar, like melodies and riffs that he would develop. And so the, the very first thing was just kind of sit down and uh, I have a, a classical like percussive background as well as a marching percussive background. And so I was just kind of approaching it in uh, a way where I was like, what, what can I, what sounds can I make to support the sounds that Peter's making? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, so it was really kind of an arranging process. And then like there's sometimes where I'm just doing just cymbal swells or like snare rolls. And then that will turn into some sort of, pulse into some sort of beat um and now i mean with the our live production uh we've got uh we've got lights that are programmed to match the songs and i've uh i keep everybody on track with that so i'm kind of like (laughs) you manage that tempo yeah Hey, hey justin why don't you tell us a little bit about um, you getting involved and uh, how, because typically, you know, in a pop act, you know, it's the, the bass player and the drummer are, are holding the groove. Jake right. has a little bit of a different kind of approach. So where, what, what, how do you sort of like fit in and, and what is your sort of approach to uh, working with uh, uh, Peter songs? Um, that's a, a really good question. I don't get it asked very often, but um, a role that I think I fit in this band that's a little unusual for a bass player is given that we just have one guitar and one bass player, but Peter is singing the whole time. I kind of at times fill the void that would otherwise be filled by a lead guitar player when I play bass. So I run my bass through some reverb and delay pedals and octaves and some crazy distortion at times. And when I was growing up, I was really into groups like The Who and Yes and Ben Folds 5, groups that used the bass as a more dominant melodic instrument. Hmm. And I first met uh, Jake um, because I was in marching band with him in 2009, and Alex and I were in a uh, a cappella group together all through college. So we all come from these various multi-layered musical backgrounds and one thing we love to do in this band is even though there's just the four of us, we all sing harmony and we all play instruments. Well, not so much Jake, the others all play our instruments through various textures and effects and Are you saying that the drum set stuff. doesn't have textures? <laughs> I was that waiting it, for You just don't have any pedals. <laughs> yeah, except for the Jake, drum pedal and yeah, the Jake, hi-hat pedal. 
You just got your two you're pedals. Gonna have, you're going to have to get some kind of like, you have to show up at the next gig with some giant rack with triggers <laughs> and like driving, you know. <laughs> You're gonna you have to like you know straighten the situation out, buddy. You know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I apologize. I didn't mean to upset Jake on the radio and the podcast. But to answer your question, that is my answer. That's, that's your answer. You better not say anything else. You only get in more trouble. You said you played. You said you played marching band. Are you? Do you play tuba? I did. I played tuba on the field, and I played bass guitar in the stands for all the home UNC basketball games. It was a very tough job, but somebody had to do it. <laughs> cool. Hey, Peter, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of your influences in terms of songwriting and uh, sort of kind of where the uh, – sort of what is your approach to, to songwriting as well? Sure. Um, as far like artistic influences, like musicians, or just influences of day to day life. You know what? It's an thing. open question. How you sure. choose to answer it is completely up to you. <laughs> well, yeah. The the short, I guess, the short answer for the musicians that I really, really love and and get a lot of inspiration from, and I always will and always have are Sufjan Stevens, Andrew Bird and Connor Oberst as far as songwriters go, because I just think they take the, the songwriting uh, very, very seriously, and they take what they're saying very seriously, and, I, and that's really, really important to me. And that, I'm not saying that songs that don't do that don't have any merit. It's just not something that I... Um, it's, it's what I listen to the most uh, in songs, and I think that those three artists are the most, um, in my opinion, accomplished songwriters in the past, I don't know, like ten or twenty years or whatever, however long it's been. What's your but what's as, your yep. what's your approach? Like, you know, do you do you start with like a lyrical idea, or do you pick up the guitar and start kind of like coming up with musical ideas? How does it usually come together for you? It's always the music first. Um, very well. Uh, I mean, yeah, I I feel like the music comes first, the melodies and the guitar parts, because those those are easy. Like. Sitting down with my guitar and just fiddling around is something I could do all day and all night and um, not ever get bored because, I don't know, there's so much you could do with a guitar. And what I like yeah. to do is put myself in, in different places, um, like uh, go out of my comfort zone by using different uh, capo matchings or different tunings or whatever just to liven it up a little bit and make it so it's not just the same old C, G, E minor kind of uh, progression and then try and figure out melodies um, that will match with the guitar parts. And a lot of the time, I'll just sing gibberish and random words to the song just so I can figure out some melody. And once I have a melody and I know exactly, like, maybe the the syllabic relationship, if that's even a thing that <laughs> makes sense. Um, well, you you I, just invented it, so that it, so it is. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. That's a Peterism for you. Um, we got linguistics major here. Definitely not. <laughs> but um, but I I'll sit down and I'll see exactly what the melody is like, where the ups and downs and the different uh the the rhythmic um uh parts of the melody come in, and then I'll try and I'll sit with maybe a few beers in me or something and and think like what why what what am i feeling right now and sometimes it's easier than other times i like to say that the songs sometimes just write themselves but you know it's just getting in the right mindset and i think that takes a lot of um 
I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't tell it around other people. Yeah, self-awareness and just being able to go out of your comfort zone emotionally and individually yeah. so that you can really un- – because I don't know if – I mean, my the songs that I write tend to be pretty pretty downers. They're not like summer, you know, hits <laughs> or whatever. They're 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 a little more. Does um, it does it yeah. does it matter? So, so but that could vary. That could vary depending on what alcohol you are consuming while you're coming up with the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wrote. It's funny. I was writing uh, something the other day that was talking about how different substances influence me, whether it's beer, wine, you know, vodka or whatever. And I don't know. I I I I haven't done enough research to give you a real answer on that, but I'm sure. <laughs> I could figure something out for you. When you write your memoirs, you can you can you can, <laughs> exactly. you can you can confess to the world how it all works. Let's let's since we're talking about you guys, your your music and the songwriting. Let's take a uh, let's let's jump in here and let's listen to uh, a track uh, off of your last record. Now you guys are coming out with a new record, right? You're gonna do a new record real soon, if I understand it. Is that right? We're going to start. This is Justin. Yeah. Um, we're going to start working on a uh, our first LP in the next couple months, and the song we're about to play is actually the first one we finished off of it. So it's okay, still so this brand, is like a, brand new. Okay, so this is a single. Okay, okay that's I right. Got yes, I got you. Okay, yes. well, this is a track called "If I Stare." Uh, Happy abandon on the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus.
Okay, if I stare. Um, Peter. Yeah. What is this? Tell us about this song, and uh, and I want you guys to kind of t- tell us. I want Jake and uh, Justin to go ahead and talk a little bit about the production as well. But why don't you go ahead, since we're talking about songwriting a second ago, why don't you tell sure. us a little bit about how this thing came together? So this song, um, I'm I am really happy with it, um, and it's not a song that I that needed to grow on me. Sometimes when I write a song, it takes a few times for me to really get into it and like accept that this is going to be a song. Um, mm-hmm. This song was was there from the beginning, and um, it's the first song that I wrote on the piano um, ever, and that has turned into something uh, bigger than just something that I do in my bedroom or something. And it it was it was a time in in my life where I, I was uh, there not a lot of stability going on in my life. I, I was moving around a lot, a lot of relationships that were kind of being determined on the events and I, I was just feeling really down it was just a lot of accumulation of things going on in my life and then I was just sitting at this piano that was at this house that I was subletting and um the that melody came came into play and um I and you know I was saying before we were listening to this song I was saying how sometimes I'll just sing gibberish to figure out the melody well the words in this song were the first words that came out of my mouth when I was writing it. And so mm. that, to me, I I just knew that that's exactly how I was feeling at the time, that there was very little um, work or, or thought that I really needed to put into it. But, I, but that, that was a result of the fact that I was in a state where I was just thinking about this stuff all the time anyway. And now I just had a melody that I could, um, I could put put words to and put real thoughtful ideas to. Um, and I knew that even though I was sad, even though this was a really difficult time for me, I was so happy that I was able to, that I, that through all that turmoil or whatever, I could still write a pretty good song. <laughs> um, but it, I don't know. It was, it, 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 it was, a, it was a lot of um, kind of, not necessarily closure, but it was it was helpful in that process and that time for me to have this thing that I could express and maybe maybe have people understand where I was coming from without me having to explain anything just by listening to the song. I mean that's why music is so important to me. It's it's the easiest medium for me to convey what I'm feeling. Um, and and. Sometimes people listen to songs easier than they listen to just people talking. Um, yeah, of course. I don't know. Um, yeah. uh, Jake, uh, tell us what uh, you so, so, so how Peter brings this song. Now, what is your sort of approach to what are you thinking? Like, and how did the how did you and Justin kind of work out your parts and figure out what you were going to do? Well, um, I think I, over the last couple of years, what I've learned is that sometimes you know, you can be performing a song and, and it sounds finished and it sounds mm-hmm. like it's done, but it honestly, it's not truly determined until you take it into the studio and you figure out every little piece. Um, so for like, for instance, like there's this, there's this part, uh, in the middle to a little bit towards the end where the, the whole kind of feeling of the song shifts and it gets, it gets much more, uh, I don't know, orchestral, um, mm-hmm. at least from the percussive side, like there's a bunch of snare rolls going on. Um, we, we recorded this at our buddy, uh, Brett's 
uh, studio, B&B Audio, and uh, it was really an amazing experience. He's an incredible engineer and producer, <clears throat> and he, uh, like, just for the snare part, uh, like, we tracked four different snare drums, and he had, like, <laughs> nine different nine different mics set up. Um, and I'm you not sure very serious there. about your snare sound on this. Is what yeah, saying. yes, uh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like, piccolo snares, um, yeah. like, six snares, and it just, uh, like, there's also bowed cymbals. Like, I just tried to come up with, like, elements that, you know, I've seen people use or have used in a different setting and just bring those elements into, you know, this rock setting. Um, John, Justin, um, uh, Jake just used the word rock. Um, right. And, you know, which is, like, you know, I mean, what you guys are doing is you're kind of, yeah, I guess there's a little bit of kind of that kind of being incorporated into what you're doing. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys are kind of in a taking it like to, in like in a different place. So what was sure. you when you started working with with the track? How what and how did it go down for you in the studio? Um, and sort of what was the process for the bass? Uh, process for the bass was so we we were kind of this song was a very bizarre process because uh, before we started recording, we found out that uh, Alex was going to be absent uh, working on some musical theater up in Michigan this summer. So we only had uh, three days to record everything that we needed before Alex left, basically. So in the first day, we recorded all the drums, and then my bass part just bare bones, straight into the computer, just go for it. And then we had all of Alex's parts before he left, and then we did all the guitar parts and all Peter's vocals and lots of strings and stuff. So long story short, I recorded my bass part very, you know, rough around the bones, um, like pretty much the first, you know, non-percussive instrument on the whole thing, but I didn't actually finish till everything else was there. Mm-hmm. And by finish, I mean resending the signal, the bass, back through a crazy pedal board. Some are my pedals, some are Brett's pedals, you know, a dozens of guitar effects pedals before a bass, and then going out of a, of a like, a mid-'70s Fender bass man amp and then miking that signal because since it was already played and edited we the world is our oyster you know we knew the signal and the part was done it just needed to be messed up to the correct degree and again being somebody who doesn't really play the bass in a conventional role in this band because it's not you know a conventional band it meant we had a lot to play with so we got to add this, there's this crazy guitar pedal that we all love called the POG from Electroharmonics. Mm-hmm. And POG stands awesome. for poly. Might be the greatest generator. guitar effect like to come out in the past, you know, I think years. So. That's, a, that's a great yeah. pedal. Yeah. yeah. Amazing pedal. And for those of you who don't know what a POG is, essentially it just takes a single note and then adds loads of octaves and harmonics to it. So it makes a bass guitar sound like a church organ, to me at least. But I absolutely love that pedal and I just loved all this. There was just a lot of soundscaping we got to add later. And from my background and like singing in choirs since I was like 14 or 15, Alex and I had a lot of fun figuring out what kind of vocal textures we'd like to add. So we invited our friend Azul to come and sing this beautiful soprano line over all of our big manly man voices to give it a little more depth, I suppose. 
don't know. Like my role, my yeah, like my role in the recording of this song it was very much a get stuff scheduled and then fill the gaps where there may be because between people as talented as Peter and Alex, there isn't really that much room to fill. So I have to be very creative with what I end up putting down as my mark, if you will. Yeah, you got to find your spot where you can where you can get where you can get in there. You know where the gap is where you can do something. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, let's uh, before we because uh, we're running, we're running a little uh, short on time here. Uh, you guys mentioned a little wee bit about the live experience, and I know that you guys are wrapping up a tour uh, today. Yes. So, to what is the happy abandoned live experience? Whoever wants oh, to boy. jump in can jump in. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, this is uh, Justin, and uh, and I don't know the live experience for Happy Abandoned. I think is that it, we were all involved in musical theater growing up. And we all sang and we're all in various, you know, classical musical groups, be it vocal, instrumental. And I think that kind of comes across in the show. We have like orchestra tuning that we walk on stage to and we like, we count each other in and we all sing together. We do warm ups before we play. Like every show is like, I'm just going to sound a little pompous, but to us, every show is in fact a concert. And as such, there is a certain attire and or decorum that we usually choose to stick to. And now that we have our interactive light rig and we have a big moon backdrop that we hang behind us when we play as much as we can, it feels like a little, like a, like small, a small play when we perform. I feel and, like, this, yeah. this, do you mind if I jump in? Yeah, go for um, it. I'm done. This is, this is Peter. And um, I, I just, I do feel like it, it's a production. It's a performance. It's, we have intention in not just the songs, but in how we do the songs live, because we think that it's just as important to make sure that we give as 100% of performance to the people who decided to come support us and see us, and maybe people who are familiar with our music but haven't necessarily seen us. We think it's the least that we can do to just give them the best experience that we can give them. And, yeah, we we could play these songs uh close to flawlessly and just stand there and not do anything but that that's might as well just listen to the cd i think having having an experience and and having a relationship with the audience and and feeding off of each other's energy is something that we take very very seriously and a lot of that gets accomplished by the lights that jake so meticulously programmed and the fog that justin so meticulously switches on and off (laughs) (laughs) But, but I don't know, it's, it's, it's fun, and it's fun to add, like, the little intricacies into the performance that you would never get to hear in the studio. So, like, um, just the things that we change about the songs live that you would never know that we do unless you came to see us. Um, it's, it's fun. We try and make it fun for ourselves as well as the audience, um, for sure. Well, it sounds like a great thing, and, and, and um, I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, one of the tags that you guys have, I think, on your band camp sites is shoegaze. Um, but, I mean, you know, you guys are doing – you're creating a, a, a great production and you're giving people an experience at the, at the show. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's, that says a lot. And, it's, you know, there's a lot of bands that, you know, they're great and they stand up there and they do their thing, but you're not really kind of – you know, they don't really take you anywhere. So um, that's what's uh, – that's very cool, man, that you guys are – you have the lights choreographed to it and the – would you say you have a moon backdrop? Is that what it is? 
Yeah, we have a big, like, sleepy-looking cartoon moon that's like our logo, wow. if you will. It's, and it's, it's, it's this beautiful thing that our friend Mara designed, and I think it's just the, the most appropriate logo for the band Happy Abandon. It, it just seems to fit so perfectly. I don't Excellent. Know. Um, so how can ever so why don't this is the part where you guys get to plug everything. So why don't you tell <laughs> everybody out there in internet land how they can, you know, see and hear what you're doing online and keep up with uh, where you might be playing and all the uh happenings. Um you can this is Justin. You can find pretty much everything that there is to find about us at happyabandonedmusic.com. Cut out a little bit. Say that again. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh yes, our website is happyabandonedmusic. Dot com. All of our materials available on Spotify, iTunes, Bandcamp, SoundCloud. We have a YouTube channel. We have a Twitter channel. We have an Instagram account. Um, and our Facebook page is probably the most reliable way to keep in touch regarding when we're playing. We're sticking to uh, – we just got back from a very long tour, so we're sticking to North Carolina for the next couple months, but we will be doing shows in New York City and Washington, D.C. in October. And uh, we are hoping to do hit the West Coast at some point in early 2017. So lots, uh, we, we won't be staying at home for very long. So if you like what you hear, we are probably going to come near you quite soon. And if there's enough demand for a specific city, let us know and we'll go there. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll totally. Do our best. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. Uh, definitely sounds like a, a show that you want to catch live. Uh, guys, thanks so much for ha- uh, for being on the podcast today. Thank you for um, having us. No problem. Yeah, thank you. And no problem. We're going to come back and do a little business once we wrap up here, but it's now i got to wrap this thing up. So, guys, just sit tight for a minute, all right? Mm-hmm. All right. Sounds good. All right, guys. Hey, everyone, you've been listening to uh, my talk with Happy Abandon, and uh, that website, again, is happyabandonmusic.com. A very cool group with a a unique sound, doing something different, not only with the music, but with the live experience, too. You definitely want to check them out. That is happyabandonedmusic.com. You are listening to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. If you like bands like Happy Abandon and uh, the Manimals and Vexine and all the different acts that uh, uh, we've we've been featuring here, uh, uh, Gene the Werewolf, and all these really, really interesting bands, um, if you really believe in this music and you're not a big fan of what they're pushing at you on corporate radio, corporate media, uh, you might want to check out supportindierock.com. That helps us do our job a little bit better so that we can bring more music to you guys and do more uh, to uh, get the word out about it. Great art- artists and great acts like Happy Abandoned. Uh, one more shout-out to my sponsor, and that is supportindierock.com. Uh, one more shout out to my sponsor, Positively Pittsburgh Live Magazine, ptlmag.com. And like I said, you are listening to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus, ludinirockandrollcircus.com. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Um, remember, every Tuesday and every Thursday, there's a new interview just like this. And every Saturday, a new music podcast. Check it out, ludinirockandrollcircus.com. Guys, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next podcast.